morning. My name is Johnny Morgan, and I'm going to share a little bit about myself and about my story and about some of my stories. And so um, I'm 55 years old, almost 55. I've been married for almost 34 years to my best friend, Tammy, and I have two beautiful daughters that are 31 and 25. And, you know, 19 years ago, I had a man call me one day while I was in a parking lot. I was a structural designer for 20 years, and, and um, he called and said, hey, he said, somebody give me your name, and he said, I'm looking for a student pastor. Will you come talk to me about that? I'm, we need to hire a part-time student pastor. So his name was Howard Turner, and he was a pastor at Live Oak Baptist Church. And so we talked, and that became a friendship, a mentorship, and an amazing pastor, and an amazing best friend. And, over the course of the last 19 years, he mentored me, and I served as student pastor for Live Oak Baptist for 14 years, an associate pastor. And five years ago, he, Brother Howard showed up at my house and said, um, I need to know you at spiritually. And I told him, I said, Brother Howard, I said, I feel like God's calling me to be a pastor, but I said, I feel like it's in this area. I've lived on the same piece of property for 51 or 54 years of my life and um, in the same community. And and he said, well, good, it's time for me to retire and time for you to become the pastor at Live Oak. And so, because he always told me, he said, I'll never be the pastor to build a church and kill a church. And he said, it's time for you to take the church to the next level. So we prayed about it. And so I've been serving as the pastor at Live Oak for five years now. And, you know, whenever I transition a pastor, I've always been real active in the community. And as I made that transition, my honest prayer was, God, don't let me be a pastor that's going to stay in my office. God, let me be a pastor to this community. Let me stay active in the community. And I, it's literally on my wall, are we weeping for our community? Because if I'm not weeping for my community, then I'm not reaching my community. And so I have that on my wall as a reminder so that I stay in the community. And, and so, you know, that's a little bit about me and where I'm at. But last night, you know, I texted my family and said, you know, I said, I'm following two incredible guys that just give their testimonies. And and to be honest, if Keith would have asked me this back in 2010 and if I'd have heard those testimonies, I'd have never stepped up this morning and shared my story. Because um, for years I didn't think I had a, a good story, if that makes sense. And, and so I, I grew up in church. I'll tell anybody, I was in church from nine months before I was born. I had very godly parents that raised me and my two younger brothers in a godly home. And Sunday morning, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, we was in church. There was never any other option. We grew up hunting and fishing, and you could hunt and fish all you wanted to, but you was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights. And so we, I grew up like that. And then about the age of 15 or 16 years old, we was getting ready to go on a youth mission trip. And as we was getting ready to go on that youth mission trip, the pastor's wife at the church I grew up in at Amit Baptist Church in Dunham Springs, she handed us all a blank sheet of paper, and she said, write your story on this. Because your story's important. We all have a story of we're believers. And she said, write your story on this. And you have to write your story. You can't go on a trip. And so I folded that piece of paper up, put it in my back pocket. And I was dressed pretty much like I am right now. You know, I, I was a good old boy. I didn't, I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't cuss a lot. You know, I was in church all the time. And I put that piece of paper in my back pocket. I walked across the parking lot, went to the sanctuary that night. We had a bluegrass gospel group singing in church that night. And they sang one song that I believe to this day was written for Johnny Morgan. And it was, Good Old Boys Don't Go to Heaven. And that was me. I was a good old boy. And so as they sang that song and those, those lyrics went into my mind, and I remembered that blank sheet of paper in my back pocket, I said, 
my paper's blank. And I walked down front that night and I wrapped my arms around my pastor and I said, I'm a liar. He said, what do you mean, Johnny? I said, I'm a liar. I said, I'm living something that I'm not. And I need to accept Christ tonight. And I prayed and accepted Christ. And you fast forward a few years, that's when I met my wife. I can tell you the door she walked in in our church for the first time on a Sunday night. I can tell you what she had on. And I'm being honest, I looked at my friends and I said, she's mine. Exact words. We went out the next month. We went out on our first date. We dated for two years and got married. And so I've always been in church. And so I was working with the youth at, at the church at Amit Baptist. And it was, um, I hadn't, wasn't in the ministry at that point. I was a, a deacon in our church and, and was um, working with the youth. And so I was real big into hunting. I've always hunted with dogs. Rabbit hunted, coon hunted, squirrel hunted with dogs. Um, got real big in the competition back in the late 90s, early 2000, and was campaigning my dogs all over the United States, from Texas to Florida to Kentucky into Indiana. You know, I was always somewhere on a weekend with my dogs, and my, my girls were young at the time. And so I, I went, was at a competition, and was campaigning, and was, was really recognized nationally with my dogs. And I walked into a hunt, and they asked us to do a devotion. It was a four-day hunt before the um, hunt every morning. So me and my buddy said, we'll split it. I told him, he said, you do the first one, I'll do the second one. I'll do the third one, you do the fourth one. And he walked in that morning and he read this verse out of Luke 10, 27. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind. And so he read that. I walked out the room. I said, scratch my dogs, I'm going home. And the master of the hunt said, son, why, why are you leaving? You're throwing away a year. I said, sir, I threw away a lot more than that because I've put my dogs in front of God and in front of my family. And I walked away from that life for a long time. And now I have a ministry called Obedience to Death where God's allowing me to use champion duck dogs to present the gospel. And I travel wherever we get a, an open door. I, I go and take these dogs and use their obedience to, to show how we should be obedient to God and the love that God has for us. And, and so it's a lot of fun that I, I get to do that. And so, you know, that, that's my story. And, and so you see how quick I told that story. When we know our story, we can let it flow like that. And you ought to be able to intertwine. I find myself telling my story to people without even knowing I'm doing it sometimes. You know, we'll just get to talking. And, and why I mentioned at the beginning about I wouldn't have walked up here before because I didn't think I had a powerful story because I wasn't delivered from drugs. I wasn't delivered from alcohol. I wasn't delivered from pornography. I was just delivered from myself. And, you know, I think a lot of us have that story. And in the spring of 2010, I got asked to go to Houston, Texas with um, a real close friend of mine. He lived with us for um, a couple of years, and he was serving at a church in Houston. And he called me, and he said, he said, Johnny, will you come help me do a disciple now with my youth? And he said, I want you to train my youth workers. Come in a day early and work with my young adults and, you know, tell them, you know, teach them what to do. So I always jumped at the chance for a road trip, so I jumped in my truck and I went to Houston. And, and I shared my story just like I did with y'all just now. But I finished my story with these words. I don't have a powerful story. I don't have an exciting story. And a man walked up to me, a young adult, and um, he, was tell, um, he was covered in tattoos, just from head to toe. And I'm not, not normal tattoos like you get in a tattoo parlor. I mean, these were jailhouse tattoos. And he walked up, and he was built like a brick house, and he walked up, he said, Pastor, he said, can I hug you? And I said, thinking in my mind, sir, you can do anything, just don't shake me right now, just whatever you want. And he wrapped his arms around me and started sobbing. 
And he said, Pastor, I wish I had your story. He said, because my story is I watched my brother die in my arms and serve 15 years in prison. He said, if I had your story, my brother would still be alive. And it changed my perspective on my story. You know, but some things in my life has shaped who I am today to why I believe that you have to share the gospel with people with an urgency. In the fall of 1995, I had to stand and look at a casket of one of my close friends. And he had taken his life. And I looked in that casket, and I looked at his wife, and I looked at his two young kids. And this is somebody that I coon hunted with, somebody I rabbit hunted with. I spent days with. We would hunt all night, go home, swap dogs, and chase rabbits all day. I spent hours with this guy. And as I stood and looked in the face of his family, I honestly was broke because I couldn't remember if I ever shared my faith with him. He knew I went to church because he knew on Sunday mornings where I was going to be. But yet I had never shared Jesus with him. And it broke me. And I walked away from that day and I said, I'll never be that person again. If I'm around you, I'm going to know your story. And I'm going to know where you're at. And so you fast forward a few years, you get to to, um, June of 2012. I was on my way to Houston, Texas, and I got a phone call. And on my way, one of my cousins, first cousins, he was my best friend. We hunted together. We talked every day. But he would cycle. He would be really walking with God. And then all of a sudden, I wouldn't hear from him for a, a few weeks or a couple of months because he would get back into drinking alcohol, and he was an alcoholic. And whenever he would start doing that, he wouldn't contact me because he knew what he was doing was wrong. And he was supposed to be in the truck with me going to Houston that day. But he quit calling me the day before, and I, when I left, I said, he's drinking again. So I went ahead, and I was going, playing a youth mission trip, doing a scouting trip. I was right at the Louisiana-Texas line, about to cross into Texas. His wife called and said, Johnny, have you, got a, have you heard from Botany? And I said, I hadn't heard from him in probably two days. I said, I figure he's drinking again. She said, something's not right. So I called my pastor. I said, Brother Howard, I need you to go to Bobby's house now. Something's wrong. I don't know what you're doing, but please go right now. I said, I'm two hours away. And he dropped what he was doing and was in his truck on his way. While I was on the phone with him and we was talking, she called back, and he had taken his life. And I had to officiate his funeral. And as I stood with his casket in front of me, Another thing in my life changed. I said, I will always leave margins in my day to notice people. Because I'd missed the obvious signs with him. And so at that point, you know, things started changing. Fast forward again, about 14 months ago, October 10th, 2021, I get to my church that Sunday morning to, um, to speak, to preach. And I, I get to church about 5 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and I got there just like I always do back then. I used to drink two or three liters of Diet Coke a day. And I got there, fixed my Diet Coke, walked next door, prayed, was sitting in the back drinking my Diet Coke, was reading over my notes. My worship pastor come in. We talked for a few minutes, walked back across to pray to the staff. We walked out the back door of the church, and as we was walking out the back door of the church, I felt like I had an allergy attack all of a sudden. I just couldn't breathe. And I told Donnie, I said, I, 
my allergies have gone haywire all of a sudden. So we got in my office. I took some Tylenol sinus. We was praying um, for my staff members. We was praying together every Sunday morning. As we was praying, I started gasping. And Donnie asked me, he said, you, you going to be able to preach? I said, oh, yeah, it's going to be fine. You know, I'm a forever optimist. I'm walking back to my, um, back to the back door of the sanctuary. And by the time I hit the back door of the sanctuary, I could not breathe. I called one of my friends in the church that, um, that he'll go fill in and preach whenever it's real emergencies with people. And I said, Jay, he said, where do you need me to go, boss? I said, here. I said, I've got to get to the emergency room. My parents walked up about that time and saw how bad it was. So my dad drove me home and my wife brought me to the emergency room, got to the emergency room. They transferred me to Baton Rouge and um, they said, it's your heart. I'm, I'm, my, it's in my family DNA to have heart disease. So I get to the hospital that Sunday before lunchtime. They told me that they was going to do a heart cath on me Tuesday. They did an echocardiogram that Monday. When they did the echocardiogram, the doctor, you know, they did it that late that afternoon. And so the nurse come in that evening, and I was in the room by myself. My wife had went home to get a good night's sleep. And um, the nurse come in, and as she sat there, was, was, you know, checking my vitals and all that. I said, look, on my, my chart, it's got the results of my echo. I said, this don't look real promising. And she said, sir, it's not. She said, your heart function is real declined. And I said, okay. And she said, you don't look upset. I said, I'm okay. I said, it's a win-win for me. She said, what do you mean? I said, if I pass, if I pass away in this hospital, I'm, I said, I'm going home. I said, but if he leaves me here, it's another win. That means he still wants me to work here. And she said, how can you be like that? And I said, because of my faith in God. And as I kept sharing with her, over the next few minutes, I had the opportunity to lead this nurse to the Lord. And so I said, all right, God, if it took me having a heart attack to reach this lady, okay. Well, the next day, they do the heart cath on me. My, doc, my cardiologist comes in and said, your heart function is down to 30%. We're going to do a heart cath in a little bit. And they did the heart cath. And as I was laying there doing the heart cath, you know, they, if you've ever had one, they don't put you to sleep. So I'm laying there with my eyes closed. And the tech that was reading it, he said, oh, my goodness, this is a dead man walking. And I said, hmm, that's not good. Cardiologists come around. I had 200% blocks and 90% blocked. My widowmaker was 100% blocked. And um, he said, I got to go tell his family right now. He's got to have emergency heart surgery as soon as we can get him in. So he walked out. He actually ran into the surgeon in the hallway, showed him everything. They rolled me back into the little holding room. And as they rolled me back there, the surgeon came in my room. He said, Mr. Morgan, he said, look, I'm just, I'm just blunt. He said, there's a bigger chance of you not coming out of surgery than coming out of surgery. I've been diabetic for 25 years, and with diabetes, it weakens your veins and your artery walls. And he said, they're probably not going to take the graft. You're probably not going to come off the table. And I looked at him in the eye, and I said, Doctor, I said, this is what I'm going to tell you. If my guy would have wanted to bring me home, I'd have dropped dead Sunday morning to back door of my church. I said, but he didn't, and it's going to be okay. And if you don't have that faith that I have, you can tap out and get me another surgeon. And he said, no, he said, We're, I'm the best. And I said, well, then let's do this. And so that, I did heart surgery the next day. Well, that night before my heart surgery, I was laying in the, I was in my room and my family had went home. And so my nurse come in and I had incredible care. And the nurse come in and I said, ma'am, I said, I'm going to ask you something. But I said, this is going to seem like an odd request. And she said, what's that, Mr. Morgan? I said, will you get me just a couple of crackers? and some juice and I said I don't if you're a believer I would love to do the Lord's Supper right now before I go into the surgery she said sure 
She disappeared. She come back. When she walked back in, it was about 15 or 16 people. She said, we're not doing this just us. We're going to do it all of us. And so I officiated the Lord's Supper in my heart room before my heart, my heart surgery. Well, after we got done, there was a lady in the back, and I noticed she wouldn't do it. Everybody else left, and she hung around, and she walked up. She said, Mr. Morgan, how can you have such a peace about this when it's so dire? And I said, ma'am, I said, it's going to be okay. I said, because I believe with all my heart that when I take my last breath, I'm going to step into the presence of my Savior. So I said, it's a win. She said, how can I have that same faith? I said, well, sit down. And I led her to the Lord that night in my hospital room. And so why am I telling you these stories? You know, this is what Keith had asked me to do is because I believe as sure as we're sitting here today, we're called to bring the gospel to the world. There is no plan B. We're plan A. You know, and there's other stories. You know, um, as I was traveling with my dog ministry, I stopped just north of Alexandria on my way to East Texas to do a dog event. And, and I stopped to let my dogs out to let them air out a little bit and play in the grass and stuff. And this man walks up, and as he walks up to me, he says, hey, he said, them duck dogs? I said, yes, sir. I said, well, kind of sorry. And he said, what do you mean kind of sorry? I said, they're duck dogs, but I said, these are God's dogs. And he said, what do you mean they're God's dogs? I said, these are God's dogs. I said, I use these God's dogs to tell people about God. And so he said, that don't make any sense to me. I said, well, let's talk. So I started sharing the gospel with him. And before I left that gas station north of Alexandria, I had an opportunity to lead him to the Lord. We overcomplicate the gospel. The gospel's easy. And especially when we share our story. Friday, I went to Baton Rouge to pick up my medicine from the pharmacy at the Lay Lake Hospital. And as, as I'm walking across the parking lot, I'm going to back up and I'm going to give you a little spider web. So I'm going to tell you just how big our God is. Back at the beginning of December, I had a family donated a significant amount of money to my dog ministry. And um, I was able to change how I transport my dogs. And so at Christmas, my parents are very practical when it comes to Christmas presents. My dad gave me one of those jump boxes, you know, that you can jump cars off with, and so you don't have to have booster cables. So I had a dry place to store it now, so I, it stays in my truck now. And so Friday, I'm in Baton Rouge, and I walk, I'm walking out, and you hear that famous click, 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 click. You know, the battery's dead. And so I walk over, and it's a young lady, and I said, hey, can I help you with your battery? And she said, sure. So I said, look, I'm parked right here. I went and got my little brand-new booster box that I hadn't had the opportunity to use come back, pop her hood, hook it up, start her car. And I said, you need to go get a new battery right now. And she said, she just, she started getting real teary-eyed. She said, sir, she said, I, I, I don't have a money, money for the battery. I don't know what I'm going to do. She said, I just paid my rent, just paid my utilities. I don't even know how I'm going to feed my, my boy. She had two little boys in the back seat of her car. I said, ma'am, I said, do me a favor. I said, there's a part store right down the road. I said, follow me down there, and I'm going to buy you a battery. So she followed me down the road. We got down the road. I bought a battery, borrowed some tools from the parts store, come out, and I was changing her battery. We started working on the battery. I just started sharing my story with her. Just started telling her who I was and about how I come to know the Lord. And I look at her and I said, do, do you know the Lord like this? She said, no, sir. She said, that Lord would never, he'd never forgive me. I said, oh, yeah, he will. I said, hold on, I went and got my Bible started sharing scripture with her and I had the opportunity to lead that young lady to the Lord right there in the parking lot you know money well spent right 
on a battery. Several years ago, I was at my church and I was training my dogs and and so I got everything set up and when, I don't know if you know a lot about duck dogs, but I, the way I use my dogs and the way we train our dogs is I can talk to them with my voice, I can talk to them with my hands, I can talk to them with a whistle. So we'll set stuff up intentionally, you know, 150 yards away that they can't see so that I can guide them there with my hands and whistle and things. And so I got everything set up and I walked into church and I didn't have a Diet Coke in the refrigerator, so I was going to run across the street real quick and get me a Diet Coke, come back and start training. So I went and got the Diet Coke. I was coming out, and this, this young guy follows me out to my truck, and, and he, he said, what kind of dogs you got? I said, retrievers. He said, you train them? I said, I train mine. And he said, what do you do with them? So I started explaining to him. And I said, won't you just come across the street with me? And I said, let me, um, and I'll show you what I do. He said, all right, I got a few minutes. So we went right across the street to the church, and I, I had everything set up. We pulled up, and so I run a couple little quick drills with him, and, and so... Um, and I asked him, I said, do you believe in God? No, sir. He said, I don't know how you can believe in something you don't see. I said, let me show you something, buddy. So where I was standing, it was about 150 yards across the field. They had dogs had to run across a, a big grass area, probably about 50, 60 yards, and then swim another 80 yards across my pond at the church, and then come out of the pond on the other side and go a little bit further into the woods and pick up some bumpers I had hid. And so I told him, I said, look, I've got something hit over there. But I said, my dogs don't know what it is. I said, you think I can pick it up with my dog? He said, I don't know. So I went and got Zach, my, my chocolate milk dog, out of the truck. And I made him heal up, and he got beside me. And as he was sitting there beside me, I talked to him in dog lingo. I said, dead bird. And he locks in. And I have my hand down here. And so he's looking at the direction of my hand. And I said, back. And he took off like a missile. Going across that field, big air launch into the water, and I'm thinking, why am I not videoing this? Swims the length of the pond, because it's the whole length of the pond, swims the length of the pond, gets up, and as soon as he comes out of the water on the other side, I whistle stop him real quick, and I give him a back. And he spins around, picks the bumper up, comes back. I said, did you see how that dog got there? He said, yeah. He said, you got it. I said, it took faith. That dog had to have faith in me to trust me to get him there, didn't he? And he said, yeah. I said, it's the same way with God. So I got my Bible, and I started sharing scriptures with him. And I had the opportunity to lead, to lead that young guy to the Lord. You know, but there's opportunities around us every day. Every day. And you know, as I share these stories with you, I don't want you to, to, to hear Johnny. I want you to hear God and how God moves and how he works. I was um, in Oak Point, a little grocery store there by the house one day. And I went in there, and I was checking out that morning, and this young girl was behind me, and she had just one banana, and she was fumbling for change. And so I told the cashier, I said, look, just, just put her banana with my stuff. And he said, thank you. She said, I, this is what I'm feeding my kids for today. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I don't have any money to buy groceries or anything until Friday. So I said, we walked out to the truck. And so I started talking to her. I had the opportunity to lead her to the Lord in the parking lot, telling her my story. I gave her some gift cards. I said, look, go buy some groceries for your family. You know, and so this morning, whenever, you know, I share these, that, what I want you to hear is just the, the um, it's not complex. Just know your story. I want to close with Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. 
It said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. We have the opportunity to be with Jesus every day. We have the opportunity to worship him every day. And when we're doing that, people are going to notice you. Because you don't have to be seminary trained. You don't have to have a master's degree or a doctorate degree to share the faith. Because what you're looking at here this morning is somebody with a high school diploma that went to Votech for auto mechanics and went to Votech for drafting. But God allows me to be part of his work every day. Father, we come to you right now, Lord, just say that we love you, Father. And I just thank you for today. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and worship you. And Father, be challenged to take your word to the streets. Father, because we're your plan A for the gospel. Father, there is no plan B. Father, we're the ones that are supposed to be taking it. Father, you tell us to go, to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach crystal clear how we're supposed to live our lives so father we love you father and i just ask that we can do what you called us to do son's name i pray